And so today's message today is about change. It's about the renewing of your mind. And as you know, my family has gone through a lot of change recently with this big move. And so one of the things I've heard is that change is good. Change is good for you. And I'm counting on that because we've had a lot of change. But change is also hard. A couple years ago, I was listening to a podcast about change. It was a neurobiologist. And he was sharing some of the studies that showed how small changes in your life can keep your mind sharp. It improves your brain's neuroplasticity, is what they say, it, which is the way your brain creates new neural pathways. In other words, it's what makes your brain more flexible. It, it's what keeps your brain young and sharp. And so I was listening to this podcast and the changes this neurobiologist suggested to help keep your mind sharp. It was to change the hand you brush your teeth with. He used this just as an example. So if you brush your teeth with your right hand, he suggested brushing your teeth with your left hand. And so I thought this would be a good idea that I would try to do this. And let me tell you, it is a lot harder than it sounds. I'm sure Yolanda knows what I'm talking about. It is, it is hard to use your non-dominant hand, especially when your right hand works perfectly fine. And so I tried to do this, and I lasted only about two or three days. Because I have, I have one of those electric toothbrushes, and it... It's on a timer, and it's a two-minute timer, and that two minutes felt like two hours because it was awkward and hard, and I wanted to do things the way I had always done them because it was easier. It was the natural thing to do, and so I went back to brushing my teeth with my right hand because change is hard, but change is also good for you, but I'll also be the first to admit that change is very, very hard, and so today's scripture, it calls us to renew our mind. And I'll be reading Romans 12 from the NIV today. And if you have a Bible, I invite you to read along with me. Or if you want to just close your eyes, because I am reading the whole chapter, if you want to close your eyes and just imagine these words were written for you, because they were written for you, and I am reading them today to you. So listen along. Romans 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, then do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourself. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, 
patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And I don't know about you, but if I'm honest, that passage, I have a gut reaction to it. I find myself wanting to push back. Did you hear those everyone's in there? I want to push back and say, but God, but God, how can I live at peace with everyone? Have you met everyone? There are some bad people in this world. How can I live at peace with them? How can I do what is right in the eyes of everyone when no one can agree on anything? How can I bless those who persecute me when they hurt me so deeply? I can't even brush my teeth with my left hand, so how can I ever be patient in persecution? The key to this whole passage, I think, is in that second verse. That second verse that says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you, and in the Greek, this is a plural you, so you, all of you, will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And in Greek, I point out that the you is plural because discernment here is a group project. We discern things together. And if it's okay, I want to pause here and get into the Greek just a little bit. A little background is I love Greek. I've taken several semesters, but I really... I only like to get into it when it's important. And here, I think it's important because those two verbs in this passage, conform and transform, in Greek, these verbs are both imperative verbs and they're passive verbs. And an imperative verb is a command. It means it's important, it's imperative, it's a command. I command you to do not conform. It is imperative that you be transformed. But where it gets interesting is that these are both passive verbs, meaning you aren't the agent of the verbs. These verbs are happening to you. And so what this means is that you are either being conformed to the pattern of this world or you are being transformed. And the question is who or what is doing the forming? The Apostle Paul, who wrote this letter to the Romans, he's an example to us. I have someone recently point out to me Paul's own transformation journey. In Romans 7, Paul says, he says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate to do. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but the sin living in me. 
I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging a war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin that is at work within me. Paul says that the law of sin is waging a war in his mind. He's struggling. He has the desire to do what is good, but he does what he hates to do. And then here in Romans 12, Paul is calling us for the renewal of our mind, that mind where sin is waging a war. And by the time Paul writes to the church in Philippi, which was later in his ministry, he says this. He says that he has learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. He says that he can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. And I find it telling in the book, in the letter to the Philippians, Paul offers advice that I think is where he finds this contentment. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Paul, in the letter to the Philippians, he's writing from a prison cell. He's writing from a prison cell about the God of peace. And I think that the only way we can live at peace in a chaotic world where sin runs rampant is to allow the God of peace to live in you. And in Romans 12, Romans 12, there's this truth that you are either being conformed or being transformed. And so I raise this question again, who or what is doing the forming in your life? Is it scripture? Is it Netflix? Is it CNN or Fox News? Is it your fears or your anxieties that are shaping the way you live your life? Are you moving towards God or away from God? What is that biggest influence that's in your life today? The idea that your mind can be renewed, this idea is backed by neuroscience. What Paul calls the renewal of your mind is what the neuroscientists are calling neuroplasticity. Your mind has the ability to form new neural pathways, and these pathways can be strengthened by repetition. It reminds me a lot of sledding. You guys, you're all from upstate New York, so you know about sledding. And when you go down a fresh hill, sometimes you don't know which way that sled's going to twist and turn, depending on where those root systems are. But once you go down that hill, when you go down that hill again, you can follow that same path, and that path is strengthened by repetition. Or back in Oregon, where it doesn't snow a whole lot, except for up in the mountains, there's the Oregon Trail. And I've heard that the Oregon Trail, there are still nine spots along that trail where you can see the original wheel tracks. And it was repetition that caused those tracks. And so it's the same way with our mind. Our mind is always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. You are what you love. You're shaped by your thoughts. And so this is why it's important to read scripture, to memorize scripture. This is why the Israelites, they memorized and recited the Shema twice a day. If you're looking for a scripture to memorize, this is a good one to start with. It's Deuteronomy 6. 4 through 8. It's here, O Israel, the Lord is our God. 
the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might. They say that when crisis hits, our minds go to what they know. And so my challenge for you today is to study the word, to memorize it, to make it a light unto your feet. And I said that about a lamp unto your feet and a light for your path. Let it be a continual reminder of God's faithfulness in your life. Create strong neural pathways that are rooted in scripture that lead you to God. But you know what? Strong neural pathways, I've learned, are not always a good thing. Sometimes, like on the Oregon Trail, we can get stuck in a rut with our strong neural pathways. We can get stuck in our own negative thinking patterns. We can be shaped by our past traumas and experiences, everything from the things we watch to the voices we listen to, they all have a way of forming us. And sometimes our bad experiences, which sometimes are not of our choosing, those have a way of shaping and forming us too. Or maybe, maybe your mind is just stuck in the rut of the minutia of life, the way things have always been done. It reminds me of autopilot. Have you ever been stuck in autopilot driving your car? You're headed to one place, but the next thing you know, you miss the turn because you're headed to your work where you're used to going. That happens to me all the time. It's the same way with our mind. Our mind goes to what it knows. And that, again, is why it's important to not only create new neural pathways that direct us towards God, but to strengthen those neural pathways that direct us towards God by reading and memorizing scripture. And what the Apostle Paul also wants you to know is that with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can record new stories, new pathways, new experiences. Back when I was doing the toothbrush challenge, I had to take my mind out of autopilot. And I think this is what made it so hard. I had to give it extra thinking, extra intentionality. And when I was doing this challenge, I posted on Facebook about it. I was trying to get some friends to join me, and so I posted on Facebook no one wanted to join me. I don't know why. But what I learned from Facebook in the comments is that this is also recommended by dental, some dental hygienists. Getting tongue-tied there. I wasn't even thinking about dental hygiene. I was just listening to the podcast, decided to give it a try, and I thought I was doing a terrible job, and so my teeth were not going to benefit from this challenge. But I learned that it's actually recommended because when you brush your teeth with your non-dominant hand, you're reaching new nooks and crannies, places your other hand doesn't normally reach. And I thought, isn't that kind of like our lives? We fall into patterns and habits. We do things a certain way. We have specific preferences. We prefer to do things the way they've always been done, but how often have we missed opportunities to see things from a new perspective? How many times have we left our blind spots unchecked in places in our lives uncleaned? In Romans 12, Paul is calling us to be transformed by the renewal of our minds. Paul is calling us to sharpen our minds by engaging in an active Christian life. Because you are either being conformed or transformed, and Paul is calling you to be transformed into the image of Christ. Because then you, and this is a group project, you all will be able to discern and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. In verse 1, going back to Romans 12, verse 1, Paul says, He urges you, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, 
And did you catch that? Your bodies is plural, but the sacrifice is singular. Paul is referring to all those reading this letter, all of you in this room today, your bodies as a singular living sacrifice. Embedded in this language, a sacrifice which would have been familiar to Paul's first century audience is a call to Christian unity. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And I think Paul here, he has a word for us today. Paul is calling believers to a new way of life, a life of continual growth and renewal. Paul is calling, calling us to offer our bodies as a living, embodied sacrifice. Several months ago, I was reading this passage out loud at my house. This is something I often do as I read scripture out loud. And one of my kids said to offer their brother as a living sacrifice. <laughs> but here's the thing. Paul is urging us all to be the sacrifice. And the beauty of that is we don't go alone. We all get to participate in the life, death, and resurrection of Christ together. Just as Christ gave his life for the sake of the world, may we too be a sacrifice for the sake of others, for the sake of the world. And the beauty is that we don't go alone. And so this truth is that you are either being conformed or transformed. Your mind is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. You are what you love. You are shaped by your thoughts. This is why it is important for Christian community. We're shaped by those around us. And those around us are also shaping us too. And so this is why it's important for us as a faith community to read and memorize scripture. Because if you're not reading scripture, you're not allowing the scripture to shape your thoughts and your actions. In scripture reading, it doesn't have to be hard. I know when I, I used to think scripture reading was boring or it was hard, because I, I don't like sitting down and reading. I prefer audible. I prefer audio being read to me. And so today it's nice because you can find an app that will read to you. The Bible app will read scripture to you. And it's just, as, it's just as good as looking at the paper and reading it yourself. There's also YouTube videos that will explain the books of the Bible to you. And so scripture reading, it does not have to be hard. And so for my next sermon series, I'm hoping to give a big overview of the whole Bible, squeeze it into seven weeks. It's a series I'm calling Binge Reading the Bible, where we can read the Bible together. And I don't expect you all to read the Bible in seven weeks, because I don't think I could do that. But I'm hoping that we can do the big overview of themes to give some context so that when we do read scripture, we have that context. We know where it's coming from and we understand. And then in November, late November, I'm hoping to share with you all my own Bible reading plan. And maybe some of you might want to join along in reading what I'm reading. And then you can come to the service and might, you might have an idea of what I'm going to preach. And we can discuss and discern the scriptures together. I think that would be fun. Because the Bible is the living word of God. And this means that you can never grow too old for the Bible. The Bible always has a way of speaking a fresh word to us today. That's how the Spirit of God works. Brings the Bible to life, even today. And so in closing today, I want to say, when you find yourself falling into old habits, bad habits, I want to encourage you to focus on God's word to create new neural pathways. Pathways that lead you to God. Allow God's word to shape your mind. Allow the Christian community to shape your life. And if we allow God to, God can take our past hurts, habits, and hang-ups, 
and make something new. God can transform our story into something beautiful, into hope, healing, and wholeness. And here's a truth that I might say over and over and over again, is that we cannot expect to lead others to hope, healing, and wholeness if we are not willing to go there first ourselves. And so I am confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. And I want to invite the worship team up as I close us in prayer.